29th of March, 1968, he travelled to Memphis, Tennessee with a few friends. He was going to help a group of local workers who were on strike. The black workers were fighting for equal pay with the white workers in that town. It was a busy few days of meetings in Memphis, lots of public meetings and private meetings, events to speak at, people to meet. On the night of April 4th, he left his motel room on his way to an evening event, left with a group of friends to an event that he was going to speak at. As they walked along the hotel balcony, he turned to the musician who was with him who was going to be playing at the event that night, and he said, Ben, make sure you play Take My Hand, Precious Lord, in the meeting tonight. Play it real pretty. And then at 6.01, a single gunshot fired from across the street hit Martin Luther King Jr. in the face, and he died there on that balcony. The new year is well and truly here. 2023. Can you believe that? And for most of us, Christmas is already a memory. The Christmas lights have been pulled down. The leftovers have all been eaten up. Um, I'm back in the workshop this week. Many of us are back at work. Baby Jesus has been packed away in a box for another year. Except, of course, that the OG baby Jesus was never packed in a box, was he? He grew up. After Christmas, he grew up, he turned into a boy, and the boy turned into a teenager, and the teenager turned into a young adult, and the young adult turned into a man. A man that would change the world forever. Which is pretty crazy when you think about it, because I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but most historical people you've never heard of. You ever think about that? Of all the millions of people that have ever lived on this earth, most of them you've never heard of, and most of them you could find no trace of them whatsoever. There are millions and millions of people who've been mothers and fathers, they've owned businesses, they've played sport, they've, they've won things, they've achieved things, they've earned things, and you've never heard of them. In fact, no one's ever heard of them today. I mean, there's a few historical people that we know about. Some of them are the kings and rulers that you've heard of. And you might know names like King Arthur or Julius Caesar. You might have heard of those people. There are some famous people that have just been so famous that, that you still know their names. Maybe names like Cleopatra or Confucius. There are some people who do some things in their life that are just so amazing that you can still remember their name today. And if I gave you a name like Joan of Arc, you might say, oh, I've heard that name, or Leonardo da Vinci. Of course, if I asked you what Joan of Arc actually did, my guess is that most of you go, oh, really, not that sure. Leonardo da Vinci painted some things, didn't he? I think, I can't remember which ones. And yet think about this, 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years after the death of Jesus, people are still so committed to his memory that they are willing to die for him. 
2,000 years after his life and death, people are still so committed to, so sold out for this one person that they are willing to literally die in his honour. Why is that? I mean, Jesus only lived around 33 years, plus or minus a little bit. And his sort of his public life, the, the stuff that you've heard about in his life, lasted for just three years, most scholars would say, from about the age of 30 to 33. He never wrote a book. He never wrote anything. He never owned anything, as best we can tell. He never built anything or painted anything. In fact, there's nothing physical of any nature to remember Jesus by. Think about that. There's no painting on a wall, no statue. There's nothing that Jesus ever did that we still have. He had absolutely zero Instagram followers. No subscribers on YouTube. He never danced on TikTok. true <laughs> don't go visual on that and yet and yet think about this and yet every person you'll ever meet has heard his name they might not know a lot about him but every person that you'll bump into you walk out in the street today and you say to someone have you ever heard of jesus and they'll go yeah i've heard of jesus <clears throat> what was it about this guy that makes him a household name 2,000 years after his life and his death? Why is it that people are willing to die following this poor Jewish guy who compared to everyone else in history, all those other historical names I gave you, he, he was nothing. He was a total <coughs> failure compared to those kings and famous people and uh, you know, inventors and things. So in this series, we're going to kick off the year asking ourselves that question. Asking ourselves, what is it that made Jesus so memorable? What is it that made people want to remember him, that made people want to tell their children about him, that made those children want to tell their children about him? What is it about him that made people want to write about him and talk about him and pass on the stories of his life for generation after generation after generation? What is it that makes Jesus worth dying for? And hopefully, hopefully, none of us will ever be killed for our faith in Jesus. But if you were, if you were, what would make Jesus worth dying for in your life? So in this series, we're going to look at some of the major reasons, some, some of the big reasons that people are willing to die for Jesus 2,000 years after his life and death. And there's none bigger, there's none bigger than the radical love that Jesus lived and he taught. Now, love, the idea of love, love existed before Jesus was born for sure. In fact, love exists everywhere people exist. In fact, love is one of the few words, one of the few ideas that every culture, every people group ever discovered across the world, every culture has some idea for and some word for love. 
But Jesus was different. Jesus was obsessed with love. He talked about it all the time. He talked about it in this over-the-top kind of language. He talked about this over-the-top kind of love, this kind of love that would do anything for another person. When someone came and asked him once, they asked him, what's the most important thing to God? You're a, you're a religious leader. You, know, you say that you know God and you talk about God. So what's the most important thing to God? His answer was centered around love. Matthew was there. He remembers it. He wrote it down years later. Uh, you find it in your Bibles, Matthew 22, verse 36 and on. Teacher, someone asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is saying that everything you've heard about God, every idea, every thought, every rule, every command could all be summed up in this idea of love. Love God and love others. He talked about a kind of love that literally put other people before yourself. Who does that? Who gets famous telling people that you should, you, you should elevate other people above yourself? No one. He talked about a sacrificial kind of love. He talked about a love that would put other people before yourself, even to the point of death. John, who was also with Jesus, remembers Jesus saying this, Greater love has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13. Years later, John would also write this about Jesus. He would say, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But Jesus didn't just talk about this kind of love. He modelled it. Jesus lived in a world, he lived in a part of the world that was under Roman occupation. The nation of Israel, of which he was a part, had literally been conquered and taken over by the Roman Empire. They still lived in their houses, they still did business, but there were Roman soldiers on the street, keeping Roman law, uh, telling them to do what Rome wanted them to do. And so the reality is that most Jewish people spent time thinking about how they could kill the Romans and get rid of the Romans who were oppressing them and on them. And yet his followers would tell stories about how Jesus healed the servant of a Roman soldier, a Roman military officer. When soldiers came to arrest Jesus and a fight broke out and one of the guys who came, was coming to arrest Jesus got his ear cut off by a sword in the fight, Jesus does some weird healing thing and sticks his ear back on. It's in Luke 22. You could read it in the Bible. He modelled the kind of love he was talking about. And then in the ultimate demonstration of love, the ultimate demonstration of love, 
Jesus allows himself, willingly allows himself to be tortured, beaten and executed to save his friends. More than that, actually, to save the whole world. Again, talking about this, John writes, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Paul explains it this way. Paul was a a leader in the early church. He explains it this way in Romans 5 uh, from verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul's saying if you met a righteous person, someone who did all the right things, maybe someone would be prepared to die for that person. If you met a really good person, someone might be, someone, maybe someone would be willing to die for a really good person. But Jesus died for you while you were still a mess. Jesus died for you and you weren't any good at all. Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, everything about Jesus was driven by this kind of love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It was God's love that sent Jesus to earth as a baby. It was God's love that Jesus constantly talked about and modelled and lived out. It was God's love that sent Jesus to the cross. And Jesus says that it's God's love in you and in me and in anyone who say they want to follow him. It's God's love in us that should be the number one giveaway that you're a Christian. It's not about whether you wear a cross. It's not about how you speak. It's not about where you go to school. The number one giveaway that you're a Christian ought to be the way that you love others. John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you also must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the way people ought to know. Jesus talked about a radically different kind of life, a life lived around love. Not the what I can get out of it kind of love. We're all surrounded by that sort of love all the time. Jesus talked about a what I can give kind of love. Jesus walked willingly, willingly to the cross to be executed. And as he went, he was saying, go and do the same. And people have been following Jesus' example of love ever since. It's Jesus' love in people that makes people put others before themselves. It's Jesus' love in people that makes people, that makes Christian people give generously, even to give sacrificially. Giving sacrificially means not just giving the stuff that I don't need, but giving something that I need. In fact, giving something that I want. 
saying, you know what, I'm going to go without this so that I can give it to someone else. It's Jesus' love in people that makes people willing to give up their own lives to follow Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. said, unconditional love will have the final word in reality. Is Jesus' love worth dying for? Martin Luther King Jr. would say, absolutely it is. I mean, think about it this way. No one's ever died for Jesus because he gave them a new job. No one's ever died for Jesus because he gave them a beautiful house and a big bank account. No one's ever given their life to Jesus because he gave them the hot boyfriend or the wife that they've been praying about. No one ever died for Jesus because he gave them great health and happy kids. People gave their lives for Jesus because they understood the love that he had for them and the love that he wanted them to live out to others. People gave their lives to Jesus because they experienced the love that he had for them and they experienced the power of sharing that love with others. And so as we, and as you, as we step into a new year together, I want to invite you and maybe challenge you to commit this year to follow the radical love of Jesus in your life. Maybe you're a person that's got big plans and dreams for this year, or maybe you're one of those people that is just kind of hoping you make it through the year. Maybe you're a person who's got lots of New Year's resolutions. Maybe you're one of the rare people who's still keeping a New Year's resolution that you made a week ago. Or maybe you're a person who just kind of goes with the flow. However you think about a new year, however you step into a new year, the reality for all of us is that some really good things are going to come your way this year. There are going to be some moments in this year that you are going to love There are going to be some things that you are going to want to remember and treasure and hold on to and say, this is great. But it's equally true that there are going to be some things that are going to happen in your life this year that are going to be painful. There are going to be some things that are going to come your way this year that you wish you could avoid. There are going to be some things that are said to you and done to you, things that happen around you that will make you cry. And that will make you wish that you could do anything but have these things in your life this year. And that's just the truth for all of us, isn't it? And the truth also for all of us is that most of those things, not all of them, but most of those things, both the good things and the bad things, you know what? You can do nothing about them. You have no control over them, no real control over them anyway. Regardless of what plans and what resolutions and what ideas you have for the year, those sorts of things are going to come into your life and are going to come through your life this year, whether you like it or not. The point of saying all that is that you and I can't control what's going to happen in 2023. What we can control is how we respond to the things that happened to us in 2023. And the question I want to ask us as a church this morning is, what if we choose love? What if we choose love as our response? What would it look like if we chose to love, if we chose 
to live in and to live out the love of Jesus, regardless of what came into our life. Because sometimes it's easy to choose love, isn't it? It was my daughter Beck's boyfriend's uh, 24th birthday last night. And we went out together. We had a night surrounded by family and friends. We went to this funky brewery and I ate ribs and wings and the chips were crispy. Uh, the weather was great. We talked and we laughed. And it was a fantastic... It was, it's easy to love in moments like that, isn't it? It's easy to walk away from that and going, I feel love, I experienced love, I gave love. Just it was all happy and fun. But sometimes choosing love is hard. What if we choose love in those hard moments? What if when we see someone alone at school or at work or a neighbour, what if we choose love then? What if when someone gossips about you this year, we choose love? What if when money is tight and the bills are piling up and you've got some stress in your life, we choose love then? What if even when someone hates you, we choose love? Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Jesus chose to love the people that hated on him. Jesus chose to love when he was arrested for no good reason. Jesus chose to love when he was beaten and tortured. Jesus chose to love when they beat nails into his hands and his feet and nailed him to a cross. That love is the reason that 2,000 years later we still know the name of Jesus. That love is the reason that most of you know more about Jesus than you do about Julius Caesar, King Arthur, Cleopatra or Confucius. And that love is the reason that people are willing to die for Jesus. That love has changed the world. And I want to tell you, that love is going to continue to change the world in 2023. I can say that confidently because there is not a year in the history of the world where God's love has not moved in a way that has changed the world around us. The love of Jesus will change the world this year. And my question to you is, are you willing to be a part of that change? Are you willing to choose that kind of love this year? Are you willing to choose the love of Jesus in your life? Are you ready to live a life that is worth dying for? Thank you.